0: This is an American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co host, Katie White. How's the heat treating you up there, Katie? (laughs) It's so
1: great. As you were just saying, it's a little taste of home. Um, No, it's just fine. It's uh, at least on theme, with the fourth being tomorrow. We're recording a little bit earlier than a normal Wednesday recording uh, because of the holidays. So the heat's at least. You know, relevant,
0: right. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's hot here too, but thankfully, I don't have a whole lot of reason to like leave my apartment because I'm on <laughs> summer break, so that that works out in my favor. Uh, but anyways, lots of people to thank and to shout out to because we've had like a crazy interactive audience this week. It's been really cool. So shout outs to maybe Hank, endmost Ten four, and Katrina for giving us new reviews on the Apple Podcasts.
1: We had a number of emails as well. Thanks to Benjamin, Leanne, Hannah, Brian, Leslie, and Greg for reaching out. It's always nice just to either hear from you, just saying hi, that you're a new listener or a regular listener, either that or discussing thoughts and uh, opinions that you had on the show. So that's always fun either way. Nice to hear from you.
0: And then also on Facebook, we had a few people chatting with us. So thanks to Angel, Nathan, and Shirley for reaching out to us on Facebook messages. We've said from the beginning, from episode one, that this is not about us just talking about the office. It's about all of us talking about the office. And so we love hearing from our audience. So thank you for reaching out, and we hope to hear from several more this week. And with that, let's just go ahead and jump into... Episode 18 of Season 5, it is called Blood Drive. It aired on March 5th of 2009, was directed by Randall Einhorn, and written by Brent Forrester.
1: It's Valentine's Day, and Michael is upset to be single this year. He decides to plan a singles-only Valentine's Day party for the office. But halfway through the party, which isn't a party at all, it's a big downer, he decides that all of these single people deserve to be in relationships. So he turns it into a matchmaking party. It also helps that he's met a cute girl while he was giving blood. Coincidence. When the cute girl doesn't show up, the office rallies together to make Michael feel better.
0: I think Michael being so miserable here really sort of strengthens his feelings for Holly in our eyes because, again, they dated for like three weeks. That's it. Right. And for him to still be so hung up on her and not in such a weird, creepy way like he was with Jan for so long, it it really says a lot about his relationship with her and their relationship together. And at least how he views it, we don't, um, Holly's moved on. We've seen, but Michael is still really hung up on this one girl for some reason. It seems really honest, which I appreciate.
1: Mm -hmm. He mentions Holly. He says, especially now that I'm not with Holly, but that's kind of all he, he spends time and emotion on. Um, I expected this when I first watched it to be a very Holly heavy episode. Um, I thought he'd be pining after her, um, and we t- can tell that he is. I mean, not. I mean, just last episode we saw how not over Holly he is, but um, he kind of opens opens himself up to the possibility of being in another, not necessarily relationship, but just meeting other people. When he meets this unnamed woman from the blood drive, who, for the very short amount of time that we see her, I just fall in love with her. I think she's adorable. I think she's so well-matched for Michael, but we never see her again. Um, She's nervous and laughing at, you know, just the idea of giving blood. She's just very nervous, and so she's talking a lot and making jokes with Michael. And it's a really good back and forth, but uh, Michael passes out because he has not eaten. And when he wakes up, she's gone, but she's left her glove. So he hopes that with this Valentine's Day matchmaking party, he can give it back to her. Hopefully she'll show up.
0: Right. Because Michael at the time isn't thinking of this woman as a potential date or a woman to pursue. It's a very natural back and forth, which we don't ever get from Michael, except right. for, I guess, with Holly, really. He, he's making funny jokes about being like a human juice box. And he looks at the blood bag, blood bag and says, hey, can you distract me? I just looked at the bag. I'm not supposed to do that. And so they have this really pleasant back and forth. And uh, it, it, it's going so well until he passes out. And, uh, I mean, same, I, I don't give blood very well, but <laughs> he, he said he didn't eat for three days prior because he was so nervous. That's, that's a big no, no, Yeah. but he decides to throw this mixer. Well, first it's the singles party and we, we talked a little bit about it, but he, he's almost trying to impose his misery on the whole rest of the office on all the other single people. It's only him and Kevin who really seem to care maybe a little bit of Kelly but he he tries to force Jim and Pam to put their flowers out of way and confronts Jim about the supposed hostile work environment being caused by their general sexiness together. <laughs> <laughs> and so Michael decides to throw a singles-only party, and as you mentioned in your summary, it is just wallowing in their misery, basically. There's no party element to it whatsoever. And that does turn into the mixer idea Uh, Because he thankfully sees that it's a bad idea. He's not just oblivious Michael. He realizes that is making everything worse. And so he throws the mixer partially out of a desire to meet this woman again. But also to help everybody else. He says we're all single people and there's other single people out there for us.
1: I feel like had Michael not passed out during the blood drive, he maybe would have thought to ask for her number. Um, And presumably she works in the office park. He kind of hinted at that, Uh, so, you know, maybe he'll see her again. He hopes that she um, will find her way into this party. They put a bunch of flyers out, Um, but she doesn't. But this party ends up being really sweet. So a few women come in, a few men come in, um, and they're just kind of mixing with the Dunder Mifflin people, with other people in the office park. And as we've said, Mystery Woman does not come in, and Michael is clearly bummed. Um, he is not thrilled. He kind of keeps looking up every time somebody comes in, hoping it's her. It's not. And at the end of the night, he says, okay, you guys can go. I'm going to stay. And they say, you know what? No, it's okay. We'll wait with you. Maybe, maybe she'll come after all. And some time passes and they're cleaning up and Kelly says, Michael, it's time. You need to go home. And then they say, you know what? Let's all go together. So they are very inclusive. They want Michael to feel loved, and they wish him goodbye um, and goodnight as they're walking him down to his car. And it's just one of the few wholesome, I don't know, um, kind of team moments, I feel like, for Michael.
0: I think everybody saw how well he and Holly fit together, uh, even though they may have been obnoxious. <laughs> they fit together really well, and they complemented each other very well. And so they're, they really are trying... To comfort him and to show him that even though Holly seems to have moved on, everybody else still loves him at least in their own special way. <laughs> and so this is probably more interaction from his employees than he ever gets uh, in saying goodbye. They're all waving at each other, patting Michael on the back. It, it it's great. It's it's a wonderful moment. And the the best part for me um, is his ending talking head, where he says, "You know, this was the first time since Holly I've considered being with another woman." And he, I love this quote. He says, "Sometimes it's not about whether Cinderella gets her slipper back, but it's about the fact that the prince even picked up the slipper at all." So just the the notion that he picked up this glove with the the hope of meeting this woman, it showed that he was ready to potentially move on from Holly and not wallow in his misery anymore. So I, I really like that that quote. I think it's. A rare moment of insight for Michael. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. He he does take it a little farther than that, saying, "You know, there's all kinds of girls with different types of shoes and sizes, and but th- what's important is that he was ready and willing to move on."
1: This wasn't a really silly Michael episode. We don't get a lot of his crazy typical antics. He's pretty level headed in this. Um, he doesn't make a fool of himself in front of the cute girl. <laughs> he, you know, it's 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 all pretty normal, which is. Uh, as much as I love Michael, it's a little refreshing to be like, oh, he's, you know, a regular person, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, he, he made a very apt analogy of him as the prince. Okay, I am ready to maybe find someone else.
0: Yeah. The other thing that happens in this episode, or one of the other things, is Jim and Pam, uh, because they are one of the two couples in the office, uh, the other being Phyllis and Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. they opt to go out to lunch together, the four of them. And they seem to be having a great time. They're getting along with each other. They're laughing together, making fun of Bob's bowling skills and lack of skills, apparently, that coincide. And then halfway through lunch, Bob and Phyllis leave for the bathroom and they're just gone when the food arrives. And they don't know what's going on. They steal some food off of Bob's plate. They take some of his fries. Pam takes a bite or two of steak and asks Jim to hide it with the broccoli. And They eventually investigate, and they they hear activity happening in the handicapped restroom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll let you use your imaginations there. Um, (laughs) They run back to their seats, and uh, let's just say that when Bob and Phyllis come back to the table, they um, are disheveled. (laughs) Phyllis grabs her glass of water and chugs, and Bob just starts eating graciously, and uh, Yeah, it's pretty clear what they've been up to.
0: (laughs) Phyllis just chugging her water is like the funniest thing to me. And then they try and pick up the conversation where they left off. Bob's like, oh, where where were we? Half an hour later. (laughs) And Phyllis Uh. just says, bowling. Yeah, bowling. That's where they were. Uh, (laughs) I just,
1: that's such a weird lunch to me. Um, I don't think they've ever hung out with Bob. No. Um, I mean, I just think that's such an odd pairing. And um, I put in my notes just how awkward I would find that lunch before even the sex. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. it's it's Bob like bragging about his bowling and all they're talking about is bowling. And it's just a weird lunch.
0: It is really weird. Like It, it just seems like Bob sort of proffered that information. Who here mm-hmm. has bowled 280 in bowling? Uh, yeah, it, there was no context. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's really strange. Uh, and this is a good time to mention the deleted scene where Pam has a talking head saying, you know, I thought it would be like eating lunch with my parents but it, they're actually having a good time. And then the whole leaving the table for sex thing happens. And she says, you know what? My parents also never did. They never left us to have sex in the handicap restroom. <laughs> so there, there were comparisons between eating with her parents and eating with Bob and Phyllis that were positive and definitely the negative along with that.
1: <laughs> One last character interaction I wanted to mention, um, not that it's relevant to the story really, but we learned something about Angela that she has had, uh, it's revealed two sets of men duel over her. We're talking about um, in that first party, if you will, of the singles, Michael is having everyone go around and talk about their worst breakup, which that sounds like fun. That's a great party for Valentine's Day. So Angela says, yeah, uh, my worst breakup, I had two men duel over me. I was in love with both of them, and it was awful. And Oscar says, yeah, we were there for that. We remember. And she says, no, 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 it was uh, back when I was living in Ohio with John Mark and John David. So this has happened twice um, with actual duels. And she seemed to really be proud of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, My first question was, do we think this is real? There's no reason for us to doubt it necessarily. But if so, it means she's even worse than we pegged her to be during her affair with Dwight. You know, This is the second time. And there's even a reference, I think, in the deleted scene of the next episode where she's saying... Uh, something about just having gotten out of two long-term relationships and is eager to, or not too eager to do that again soon. But she hints that she would do it again eventually. I, I think there's it's something mm. like that in the next episode's deleted scenes. It's just <laughs> going so deep into The Office, this watch through, is making me, at least currently, really dislike Angela like a lot. Because she's kind of a trash person.
1: <laughs> yeah, I tend to think that this did happen. However, I find it even harder to believe that four men would, A, fall in love with Angela, and B, choose to fight for her. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah.
0: That reminds <laughs> me of the deleted scene from The Duel, where Stanley says, Andy, are you aware that the prize is Angela? Yeah. Dwight, are you aware that the prize is Angela? Are you bo- okay. you're both aware. <laughs> and then he says, I say we let them fight to the death. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let well, them figure it out.
0: A couple more smaller character moments. they were really small. Meredith has a sweet moment where she joins Kelly to help with decorating the singles party. Um, and, you know, Kelly is sort of suffering through her breakup with Ryan, who left for Thailand, supposedly. And so she, Meredith comes in on Kelly, ripping one of the heart decorations in half. She says, what are you doing? Kelly says, decorating. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Meredith joins in and grabs the, the Cupid and rips off its wings and says, now it's just a stupid little baby. <laughs> and it, it it's it's quirky, but it's, it's really sweet, I think, seeing Meredith sort of comfort Kelly in a way.
1: We don't see Meredith in a softer light very often. No.
0: And then the other thing is Kevin. Kevin has a great episode. Yeah. One of the women who shows up to the mixer is named Lynn, and Michael tries to play sort of matchmaker. I think he's being rude about it, you know? Uh, she's a bigger woman and Kevin's a bigger dude. So of course they belong together is sort of the way I think Michael approaches it. But they really do hit it off and it's really sweet. And he has a a sort of initial bumble where he mentions Stacy, his previous fiance, and he thinks he ruined his chances by mentioning her. But then at the end of the episode, he approaches Lynn and says you know i get nervous talking to pretty girls seriously feel how sweaty my hand is <laughs> and she feels his hand that's proof yeah that's really sweaty and she's almost like proud wow i'm making a guy's palm sweat
1: i must be very pretty <laughs> cuz look how sweaty you
0: are yeah and then he says are you on email yes kevin everybody in the world is on email is
1: on email
0: yeah <laughs> but then he has his final talking head and he says good valentines because he's got her little card with her contact information and it's great it reminds me of, I don't remember the specific episode but it's when uh they the parking spots are taken up by the construction people mm-hmm. and Andy and Kevin lobby to get their parking spots back and he says at the end you know it's just nice to win one and yeah he, Kevin won another one today <laughs> good for him yeah
1: we didn't get a whole lot of Kevin heavy episodes ever and this wasn't a kevin happy episode but it was it was a bit
0: yeah which yeah was nice what about funny stuff
1: the cold open um a salesman for a new phone system comes by the office hoping to meet with michael this phone system would basically put pam out of a job So pam tells the salesman that michael isn't there again he's come by presumably several times and she struggles to stall when he asks to make an appointment with michael So Jim, overhearing, steps up and tells him that he's Michael Scott, general manager of Dunder Mifflin. And the the real Michael then comes out of his office. So Jim just confuses Michael into like...
0: Fonzing it up. Fonzie. Yeah,
1: into getting this salesman to leave. They just go, hey, because Jim is saying that he's Michael. And so Michael comes up and goes, hey. Jim goes, hey, Jimbo. (laughs) And Michael's just taking it back. And so they just go, hey, back and forth until the salesman leaves. And Pam just smiles.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. I I love the confused but sort of overexcited look that Michael has on his face. He's like <laughs> eyes go wide and he smile like it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and he he joins in. It's like he's finally included on an inside joke. Remember back in the mm-hmm. convention in season three, he says, oh, "I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one someday." And he he's in one now, sort of. He's in one. <laughs> he's just
1: oh, someone is initiating friendship with me. It's so exciting. <laughs>
0: At the start of the episode, when he's first arriving at work, Michael says, "It's been four months since I was with Holly, and she was way hotter than Stacy." So, if you think you're hurting, and Kevin says, "I can't even imagine," <laughs> he's he's agreeing with Michael. Yeah, Holly was way hotter. So, yeah, you yeah. must be going through a real struggle.
1: <laughs> Kelly has a talking head where she believes that she has um, gotten her first secret Valentine or her first Valentine from a secret admirer. She opens up a card. And she's so flattered, and she says, roses are red, violets are blue. It's time for your dental cleaning, and maybe a checkup, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Poor Kelly. Michael, talking about the the singles party, or the mixer, I believe, he says, I'm going to be Cupid, and I'm going to shoot my sparrow at unsuspecting victims, and they're going to get hit and say, I'm in love, I was hit by Cupid's sparrow. Funny little bird, (laughs) but he gets the job done. Yeah. Another Michaelism.
1: uh, Yeah. (laughs) There's not even really a good way to describe this one. It just makes me laugh every time. So after Michael having come up with the idea to have the singles Valentine's Day party, after talking to Jim about how sexy their relationship is, Michael says, so suck it. Hey, everybody. I just invited Jim to suck it. (laughs) And I'm cordially inviting all of you to a special (laughs) party. (laughs) And it just gets me every time.
0: Dwight on the blood mobile, as they call it, he is sitting in the chair and the nurse is trying to stick him. And he says, are you having a hard time finding a vessel? And then he goes, how about now? And he like tenses his arm. (laughs) And sure enough, there's the, the vessel. And so he has a talking head saying, I train my major blood vessels to retract into my body on command. Also, I can retract my penis up into itself. And then there's like a momentary pause where he makes his face and then he nods like, yep. Done. Yep. And I, I, why? Why? I, I understand the blood vessels thing a little bit because it's Dwight, but what's the purpose of the other because one? It's because it's Dwight. Because it's Dwight. Because he has ultimate control over his body and can raise and lower his cholesterol with the power yeah, of mind. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: we've, we've uh. gotten to that part, right, with the cholesterol. Yeah. It should be noted that Andy is not in this episode because he is off having his honeymoons. He made oh. non-refundable deposits on many honeymoons. So today he's hot air ballooning tomorrow. He's got a couple's massage. Oh, poor guy. Yeah.
0: I wonder if he invited anybody along. Like, I don't know. Knowing
1: Andy, he'd invite like some random woman.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sitting down at lunch, some slight language in this one. Bob says, I honestly don't know how you can work with that jackass and that other jackass and that new jackass. (laughs) Phyllis says, he's talking about Michael, Dwight, and Andy. And Jim says, oh, I understood. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly, there's no other people you could be talking about.
1: Kelly is so wrapped up and in love with Michael's potential love story with this woman, um, and so she's just this is so fantastic, like you have a woman, and she goes, it's like a modern day Enchanted. <laughs> it, it, Enchanted is already modern day. It came out in 2007. Um, yeah, that
0: was the whole point of that story. That
1: was, yep, yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. <laughs> that one made me laugh really yeah. hard. <laughs> Jim, towards the beginning of the episode, him and Pam have a talking head together, and He says, you're only engaged once. Well, present company excluded. (laughs) And Pam turns to him and says, really, Jim? On Cupid's birthday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The last scene of the episode, and also my last funny moment, we see Stanley and Phyllis, who did not give blood, try to steal chocolate chip cookies from the blood mobile. They get caught because they're using cotton balls and tape as their band-aids, and the nurse catches it and said, we've been using band-aids. That's weird. And Stanley turns around and mutters to Phyllis, (laughs) Band-aids. She curses, (laughs) and then we see Creed walk out of the blood drive with a bag of blood in his coat. Yeah, my guess is he's gonna sell it or something. Uh, But yeah,
0: I I don't know.
1: I I honestly hope that's what he's gonna do because (laughs) that would be the least creepy thing Creed could do with that blood. Yeah,
0: I've got just a couple more. Dwight is talking with one of the women who walks in. The one who walks in with Lynn. And he says, you know, I can untie any knot. Name a knot. And she says, I I believe you. He says, well, don't believe everything you hear. There are many knots I cannot untie. (laughs) And then he asks, so where does a woman as charming as yourself find herself employed on a day such as today? She says, I work at a place that does catalogs for community colleges and small businesses. He says, you must use a lot of paper. Oh, God, tons of it. And then he just like moans weirdly. so it,
1: excited that this is a potential sale. <laughs> I did want to mention, and I totally forgot to, thoughts. I think that woman looks a lot like Angela.
0: You know what? That would make sense.
1: That like why he was immediately attracted to her Uh huh. of all the women that came in.
0: Yeah. Uh, you could definitely say he has a type and yeah. that, that she's a smaller blonde woman. So yeah. She was like
1: dressed the same. She was in muted colors. Very um, conservative. conservative clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, another small Dwight moment, he says, or Michael asks him, so how are you holding up? Dwight says, I'm okay. Feeling a little lopsided because of all the blood they took out on my right side. Not how circulation works.
1: Mm. <laughs> nope.
0: So now moving on to deleted scenes. What do you have as far as deleted scenes go?
1: Dwight has a talking head where he, um, he says, giving blood on Valentine's Day is an American tradition. There's nothing to fear, at least during the day. At night, this thing becomes a vampire magnet.
0: <laughs> and we've seen that he believes in vampires back in business school when Jim yes. pretended to become one after the bat invasion.
1: And also zombies when, um, during the intervention, mm-hmm. what would you do if you came in and you were dead? And Twice says, I would stab her in the brain with a wooden stick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he He definitely believes in some aspects of the supernatural. Yeah. Michael calls out to the office that only five people have signed up to donate blood. Creed signed up twice. And Creed says, no, 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 that's to receive blood. Okay. <laughs> and then Dwight says, don't worry, everybody. I checked the credentials of the blood drive truck. There's no reason to suspect that their blood will be used for ritualistic purposes, among other things. And Jim asks, well, what if we want our blood to be used for ritualistic purposes? And Dwight just pauses. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> and Jim just sort of glances at the camera like, I wasn't expecting him to have an answer for that. <laughs>
1: Also, Michael, I like this deleted scene, um, a man walks into the mixer and Michael feels threatened. Kelly says, he has a much better body than you, Michael. Michael says, yes, he does. Dwight, could you get rid of him, please? (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, Kelly then volunteers quickly to walk him out. Hi, I'm Kelly.
0: (laughs) Uh, And Dwight lies to him about the mixer being canceled because of a death in the elevator. Presumably this guy rode the elevator up to the office and Kelly is probably walking him To the elevator, you know? Right. So
1: (laughs) not not thought through. No.
0: Meredith during the singles party before it becomes a mixer, reveals that her ex husband left her for their garbage woman. She says, you know, I get it. She's strong. She has a career. She can heave a bag of garbage as high as a two story house. And then she says, Well, my kids call her mom now.
1: (laughs) Dwight, also regarding that blonde lady at the party, he asks if she wants to see his bobbleheads out of politeness. And I'm sure it's purely politeness. She says yes. Um, and he brings it out and he says, is this woman attractive? And he, the bobblehead nods. And she kind of smiles and he says, no, actually, it'll do it for anything. Is this woman unattractive? Um, And he says, see, it'll do it for anything. Uh, it's just plastic with a spring, see? And he like, decapitates his bobblehead and shows her how bobbleheads work as if she was not already aware of the reality of bobbleheads.
0: Yeah, it's like he he was starting to win her over a little bit. Like he charmed her a little bit with the whole, it was a pretty good moment. Is this woman attractive nods? Oh, that's cute, you know? But then he ruins it. Creed tries to flirt with Lynn and asks how old she is and says, oh, no, no, no. Let me guess. 30. No, no. 60. Slightly offended, she says, "I'm 34." He says, "Cool beans, me too."
1: <laughs> the cool beans is Creed's favorite yeah. Uh, phrase.
0: Yeah, we've definitely heard him say it a couple times before.
1: Dwight, last one for me, I think. Dwight badgers the nurse at the blood drive. He says, "How how fast would you like the blood to come at you?" She goes, "I don't think that's up to you." And he says, "I think it is. Give me a number." And she says, "Uh." six it's great so he is channeling his blood at a six speed and he goes can i specify who gets my blood what if the man who gets my blood comes back to kill me and then there's a talking head where he says that would be an ironic death and he lists a whole bunch of things that um would be ironic deaths like olympic swimmer dies in bathtub or child actor dies of old age (laughs) if at all possible avoid an an ironic death
0: yeah he he says you could theoretically live forever, forever if you avoid an ironic death which i don't really know what he means by that but
1: i think he thinks like all deaths are ironic <laughs> i but guess so i don't know why that would be maybe
0: he just thinks of himself as immortal i don't know yeah <laughs> last one michael and dwight are placing flyers for the mixer and michael asks dwight a hypothetical if you could have sex with any woman in the world who would it be and dwight responds carol Jan, or holly i think about it constantly Michael says, hey, man, that's not cool <laughs> because those are Michael's exes. And then Michael, uh, the scene continues. Michael's placing five flyers under the wipe- windshield wipers for each car. And Dwight's only placing one. He-, he calls Michael wasteful. And Michael says, yeah, I am being wasteful. That's how we get attention. He says, be Donald Trump, not Donald Duck. And Dwight <laughs> realizes what he's saying and says, well, Scrooge McDuck was very rich and he was also very thrifty. So that supports my method. Michael says, I don't think Scrooge McDuck really existed. And Dwight seems to be doubtful, like, "Uh, I think you're wrong about this one. But (laughs) Uh, strange men, both of them. Yes.
1: Well, moving on to our second episode of discussion today, Golden Ticket, aired on March 12th, 2009, directed by Randall Einhorn, written by Mindy Kaling.
0: Michael has come up with what he calls the best idea anybody has ever had placing 5-10% off Golden Ticket coupons in 5 different paper boxes as a whimsical surprise for Dunder Mifflin customers. The best idea ever goes south, though, when it's discovered that all 5 coupons were found by one customer. The branch's largest account, Blue Cross. So Michael quickly tries to shove the blame onto someone else to avoid being fired for losing the company so much money.
1: Michael made a big mistake and didn't realize that all of the boxes that were sitting together... Are part of the same shipment. So he just stuck them in five boxes that were presumably very, very close to each other. And sure enough, they all went off to Blue Cross, which, as you said, is their biggest client. So he did not really think that one through. How rare.
0: Yeah. When he confronts Daryl later in the episode, he says he, he, well, first off, he calls Daryl an idiot. And Daryl says, how about you start over? (laughs) Uh, And so Michael says, Sir. I would like to know why so many, or all, all these boxes all went to the same place. And Daryl says, were the boxes all sitting near each other? Michael says, irrelevant. Yeah. And then uh, Daryl says, well, we ship off three pallets of paper to Blue Cross every week. And Michael says, I want you to be completely honest with me right now. What's a pallet? Yeah. <laughs> He's no idea. No. Before it's revealed that all of this has gone very poorly. He asks everyone else to contribute their own great ideas. Jim starts to give him one about renting out their delivery trucks over the weekends. Uh, Michael says, Nope, nope. It, it, that's too long of an explanation. Good ideas are short and sweet golden ticket. That's it. And so he shuts down Jim's probably good idea to get the company some extra money. And I just have to ask, you know, what was Michael trying to accomplish with this idea? Even if it had gone according to plan, you know, why would you just randomly give a discount to an existing customer when you could instead use a discount on a potential new customer to lure them in or to maybe keep a client or customer that's considering changing providers? It, it just, I don't know what the end game was. It's not like he's trying to motivate his employees to do something. These are customers who... Have been with them for a while, presumably. So, like, I just don't understand like what the point of this was, aside from Michael thinking he was being whimsical and fun.
1: Right. I feel like Michael just it would be a nice gesture, and so he thought that'd be a great idea. And um, you're right, using it in either of the cases you mentioned would make a lot more sense. The best case scenario I can think of would be like word of mouth. Oh my gosh, I just got a discount randomly from my paper provider. Use them, but. I don't think that would actually happen. So uh, it wasn't thought through, I'm sure.
0: No. Uh, I mean, obviously it goes very, very wrong when not only does Blue Cross get the 10% discount, they get a 50% discount because Michael didn't think to put limitations on this because he didn't consider the possibility that a client would receive more than one certificate. Uh, quick aside, I thought it was interesting that Jim has the branch's largest account rather than Dwight. Mm-hmm. Um But as soon as things go south, Michael is so quick to deny that it was ever his idea, despite at first, at the time, he's still wearing the Willy Wonka costume, and then he disposes of the the costume in the dumpster shortly thereafter.
1: He puts on his gym clothes, because that's all he wore to work today was his Willy Wonka outfit. Puts on gym clothes and and a jacket. David tries to find out who suggested the Willy Wonka golden ticket idea. He asks, was it the sales department? Michael says, yeah, it was sales. David asks, was it Jim? Michael takes a look at Jim and says, no. Like, he he couldn't place that on Jim. And then David says, was it Dwight? Michael takes a minute and says, yes. Um, and that's actually my discussion topic, so I don't want to dive too much into it. But he blames it on Dwight, which
0: sucks. Yeah, I was so disappointed in Michael. Like, it, it just—he he makes these great strides sometimes. We talked about how last episode— It was a pretty good Michael episode. He was in a good frame of mind. He wasn't super offensive to anybody. It was a good episode. And then this episode happens. And like you said, we'll we'll talk about it more in a minute. But I was just so disappointed in Michael. He fakes a diary entry saying that Dwight came up with the idea. And then Dwight runs out and checks his own diary, which is real. And that diary says the exact opposite.
1: So to originally reprimand Dwight, David Wallace comes down. Well. And to reprimand Michael, because in David's eyes, Michael okayed this idea. David comes down to Scranton, uh, but presumably on the way, or shortly before he entered the room, Blue Cross called David, and they were so thrilled that they received this huge discount that they're going to now make Dunder Mifflin the sole provider for their office or for their company. So David is thrilled, and he goes down to congratulate Dwight and Michael standing there or sitting there when that happens and I just put Michael is dead inside. <laughs> he's yeah. just completely this was my idea, but he can't say it. David wants to set Dwight up on a call with the corporate marketing team. He wants them to meet Dwight, um, because Dwight clearly is so full of good ideas. And then when that phone call happens, it's evident that Dwight has never even seen Willy Wonka. <laughs> I-,
0: I love candy from the second it t- touches my lips down to the moment it's metabolized by my stomach acid or something yeah. like that. Um It should be said that Jim is super pissed at Michael because this, as we said, was his account. Um, It was the, the branch's largest account and 50% off is a huge chunk of money from a large provider or a large company. And so Jim is actually pretty keen on telling Dwight, no, you don't need to take the fall for Michael. This isn't your mistake. This isn't something that you should get in trouble for. And, still Dwight sort of goes through with it. So it again, I just want to express my disappointment in Michael, disappointment in Michael in allowing it to happen because if he hadn't put the blame on Dwight, then it would have turned out very differently and he would have been praised by David and so to speak and I don't know. There's just something about owning up to your mistakes that Michael does not understand. And then finally when Dwight confesses that Michael forced this idea on on him, on threat of death, Michael slams the table and shouts, thank you. And that that's a popular gif for the show. Yeah. Uh, and he says, David, I'll be honest with you. I want all the credit without any of the blame. <laughs> and David just leaves exasperated. What's
1: so ironic is that had Michael uh, originally owned up to it and not had ever uh, tried to put that on Dwight, David is already really impressed for whatever reason with Michael. He just sent him on the um, tour of Dunder Mifflin offices to do his business presentation because Michael is the most successful branch manager that Dunder Mifflin has. So if he had also done this, I mean, it turned out okay. Yeah, granted, at first it was he was very mad. David was very mad because this was going to be a big loss, but it turned out great. Had Michael just stuck with it? David would I think would have been over the moon with Michael because again he's just making things right somehow
0: right it is a tough situation and it it would have taken a lot of maturity from Michael to own up to his mistake from the get go when he knew mm-hmm. or thought it was a mistake and everybody thought it was a mistake but he just doesn't have that level of maturity quite yet it doesn't seem right Uh, So before we revisit that in our discussion, there's the other side storyline that's happening here. Kevin, we get more of him and Lynn. He is wanting to ask her out, but Andy is telling him uh, he has to make her wait or he gives up his power as the man. That's absurd. And he also can't make her feel good about herself. Every compliment needs to be a backhanded compliment. If you compliment. It's even more absurd. Yeah. If you want to compliment (laughs) her dress, you need to also tell her that you don't like the color of her hair or whatever. BS Andy is coming up with. Uh and he gives a little bit more reasoning to that and his deleted scene that we'll mention, I'm sure. Jim and Pam get in on the advice giving as well.
1: Jim is under the impression that yeah, take it really, really slow. If you like her, just like we saw Jim do with Pam, you know, plant a seed and in a couple of weeks we'll kind of see where that's going. And Pam says, No. Ask her out. If you like her, just tell her. Because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, and as we just saw over the last you know, several seasons, Jim and Pam, that's exactly what they did. She, Jim almost lost his chance because he waited. And it's just kind of a mirroring of, of their relationship styles um, onto Kevin.
0: Mm-hmm. And further, Jim says, you know, you shouldn't touch on the first date. Pam says, you know, a touch on the arm or back can show that you're interested and it can be really romantic, too. Then Andy steps in and says, don't touch her. Don't look at her. Don't talk to her. <laughs> if if you're not talking or looking or touching somebody, you're not on a date. I mean, there, there's no relationship happening there whatsoever. But again, it does end well for Kevin because he basically ignores everyone except Pam a little bit, I guess, and tells Lynn everything he's thinking in the parking lot at the end of the day. He says, "I really like your smile. I want to take you out to dinner and a movie." And he says, "Nice." Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks maybe I lost he almost it, ruins it. Yeah, almost he thinks he ruins it but she's flattered it looks like so yeah it goes it goes well for him because she's into it
1: so moving on to funny moments what do you have uh
0: the cold open is really funny again uh Pam is on the phone and Michael is trying to interrupt her to tell her a knock knock joke and I just wrote I mean let her do her job I mean yeah. goodness gracious Uh, She makes him wait. And so after she hangs up the phone, knock, knock, she sighs. Who's there? He says, Buddha. Buddha who? Buddha this bread for me. And he reveals he was holding a stick of butter and a slice of bread and just sits him down on the reception counter. That joke is so bad. It took me a minute to to get it, you know, because Buddha Mm -hmm. and butter sound so dissimilar. I did not understand what he was saying. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's on me. but. It's just a really bad joke.
1: And it should be noted that this is an unwrapped stick of butter <laughs> that he then slams on my on, on Pam's desk. She goes, there's butter on my desk. Yeah,
0: he's like, I need a napkin <laughs> or a towel. Or, uh, But it continues. Dwight decides to tell his own knock-knock joke to Michael. He says, knock-knock. Who's there? KGB. KGB. Who Slap. We will ask the questions. <laughs> Michael's not amused. Jim is, especially when they start sort of fighting and slapping at each other. And then Michael says, no more knock-knock jokes. So Dwight, or so Jim says, ding-dong. <laughs> Michael, who's there? Jim, KGB. Dwight, get the door. I'm not answering it. Answer the door. Ding-dong. No way, it's the KGB.
1: Ding-dong, ding-dong.
0: <laughs> I'm not answering that. You answer it. I'm not going to answer it. I'm not going to answer it. It's the KGB. And then Jim slaps Dwight. The KGB will wait for no one? <laughs> Michael laughs and Dwight just says, It's true. And there's another very gifable yes, moment. Yes, a very great gift. It's the, It's true. <laughs> And then just while we're on the subject of the knock-knock jokes, it does extend into the very final moments of the episode when Dwight shows up at Jim's desk and is doing the whole ding-dong KGB routine, only this time Jim makes up excuses to not answer the door. You know, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm late for work, uh, now's not a good time right now. And so Dwight says, "Uh, we will try again at uh, 5.15 when they'll be off work and probably not there anymore. So Jim wins.
1: Anytime there's a Creed moment, we need to mention it. Michael says, You know what, Jim? It's not my fault that you bought a house to impress Pam. That's why carnations exist. Creed simply says, That's not why.
0: (laughs) I desperately need to know what Creed's reason for (laughs) carnations existing is. Michael says, "Uh, I've written these things because it is my responsibility as manager of this branch to profiligate great ideas. And I think I have done my part with the golden ticket promotion. The word he means, Profligate, or profligate, is defined as recklessly extravagant or wasteful in the use of resources. So, yeah, Yeah. he nailed it. (laughs) He's
1: right. (laughs) Rare, but correct.
0: (laughs) Unintentionally.
1: (laughs) Dwight argues that it's impossible that he came up with the golden ticket idea. He never had candy as a child, so a movie that fetishized it so much wouldn't make sense to him. And also, he wasn't allowed to watch movies. So,
0: So, yeah, do the math.
1: None of that. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as to why Dwight is the way he is.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, (laughs) Michael gave Pam a list of places to pretend he is when he doesn't want to answer calls. Uh, So the one she the one she gives in the episode is he's at a civil rights rally. I'll let you know when he's back from the Lincoln Memorial. D.C. is a pretty fair distance from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, He also apparently has a colonoscopy that same day. And other excuses that Pam has listed are stopping a fight in the parking lot at an Obama fashion show. Uh, I don't know what that is. Pam doesn't either. (laughs) And then trapped in an oil painting. And Pam says, I'm going to save that one.
1: (laughs) This one always makes me laugh a whole lot. Um, Michael and Dwight, we didn't mention, go on a a walk. Um, Michael returns and says, may I have your attention, please? I have an announcement. Mr. Dwight Schrute and I have just returned from a wonderful stroll together. And although I will probably never do it again, I had fun. I really had fun with my best friend, Dwight. Oscar says, these aren't announcements. Michael says, yes, they are. You just don't care about the information. And Oscar nods. He's right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's okay. These are (laughs) announcements. I just don't care.
0: (laughs) Michael has a shoe store idea called Shoe La La for men's shoes for these special occasions in a man's life. Like the day he gets married. Okay. I'll give him that one. Or when his wife gives birth, or just lounging around the house. I don't think you need special shoes for those occasions, Michael. <laughs> the married one, I'll give you, but most yeah. types places will let let you have some shoes as well. So take
1: care of that for you. Michael and Dwight scream slash exchange horrible inventive ideas that they have come <sighs> up with, uh, but that they think are great. Including Michael uh, has the toilet buddy. He says it's a net, a circular net that you put inside the toilet to catch all of your change and your wallet from falling into the toilet, formerly known as the toilet guard.
0: I have questions. I have so many questions.
1: (laughs) Unless it's just an an incredible invention that defies the laws of physics. It's a horrible idea. Let's just put it that way. Dwight says he has a uh, horse boat. Canoe built around your horse so you can go from riding to water travel without slowing down.
0: I kind of like that one.
1: <laughs> it's, I guess, like giant flotation devices for your horse, yeah. which okay. It's much
0: more functional than Toilet Buddy.
1: Yeah, oh, it's better. <laughs> it's better. And Michael has a toilet sponge. He says, "I have a lot of toilet ideas." It's a hollowed-out sponge that is more absorbent and softer than toilet paper. He then says, "I have a lot of toilet ideas." Dwight says, "They're easy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay (laughs) (laughs)
0: moving on yeah Michael uh, once Dwight goes to grab his own diary off his desk to contradict with Michael's diary Michael says why do you have a diary Dwight whispers to keep secrets from my computer and then he just looks at the camera (laughs) of course (laughs) makes sense trust nothing
1: (laughs) deleted scenes we get a few here as well Kevin and Lynn are eating lunch in the break room. How romantic. Mm. He fake yawns and is barely able to reach her shoulder. He's trying to do the the yawn and, and hug situation. He is finally able to touch her shoulder. He says, I like your top. Andy is sitting across the uh, break room and, of course, doesn't think that you should be nice to women when you're trying to get them. And so he clears his throat, insinuating that Kevin's being too forward. Kevin says, I like the color, but not the cut. <laughs>
0: And she just Uh, goes, oh, oh, a a little bit of background on that. Andy does have a, a talking head deleted scene where he says, you know, I was raised to be a gentleman around women. But when your fiance is Satan, that doesn't work. So I have new ideas and techniques to try. And Kevin is his guinea pig. So there's no guarantee on Andy's in Andy's experience that any of this works. But what he tried with Angela obviously didn't work for him. So he's trying something else through Kevin. And I just don't think that Kevin is the best guy to try dating techniques through.
1: <laughs> it's just timing at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's a few different Kevin and Lynn scenes in the, the deleted scenes. The One of the others is uh, he gets into the elevator with Jim and Pam and says, you know, I had a good weekend. I watched TV for 14 hours. Uh, okay. And then Lynn comes in. And says, well, did you get my message? And he says, yeah, I've just been really busy. I, in fact, I think I'm going to be busy for the next 20 days or so. <laughs> and Andy, that's what that's what Andy told him to say. Because aside from getting laid, Kevin says, I don't know anything about women.
1: <laughs> 20 days is a very specific amount of time. Yeah. It's just, it's it's very clear that he's being evasive. Yeah. Michael. Uh, asks the office if they had ever thought about what it would be like if Michael was fired regarding the Willy Wonka idea, because he's anticipating getting fired. And everyone in the office raises their hand, and he gets so mad. He says, no, 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 I did not ask for a raise of hands, (laughs) 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 for a show of hands. So uh, everyone has clearly thought about what life would be like if he's not their boss anymore.
0: He does make some good points, and I actually saw this deleted scene somewhere else, maybe on Facebook recently. He says, you know, what if they hired somebody who doesn't like minorities? He says, Oscar is far too Hispanic for me. Or someone who doesn't want them to be a family and just do their work and have their private lives and go home. Jim says, I like that guy. Uh, But then he says, or someone who doesn't like romantic involvement in the workplace and moves away your significant others to other branches. And Jim's a little bit more sobered by that thought. You know, what if somebody came in who didn't like the fact that Jim and Pam and I were a thing or... <laughs> Who didn't like the fact that Pam and I were a thing? Jim refers to himself in the third person. We
1: have a lot of <laughs> bloopers this episode.
0: And he, I mean, Michael does make some good points. I mean, he is pretty accepting of everybody and their behavior because his behavior is way worse. So he sort of has to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe the last one for me. Michael asks Dwight if he can join him on one of his, quote, strolls, even though Michael is has made fun of Dwight's strolls in the past. You can't just call them walk. So Dwight asks if he wants to go on a power stroll or a regular stroll. Michael says, you call it. Dwight kind of smirks and says, power stroll. So uh, he asks if he's wearing SPF. He, in, in fact, ensures that Michael is wearing SPF because he applies it for him. In Thick globs all over his face. And then Hank, the security guard, is in the lobby. He says, you got a friend for your stroll, Dwight? Dwight looks at the camera and says, yeah. <laughs> and Hank says, that's nice. Like, it's just, it's a side I haven't seen of Dwight in a while. It's just, I don't know. It was funny.
0: Jim and Pam have a talking head together about, Pam is saying, some women like it when a man takes charge. Just depends on the woman. Jim says, if you don't agree with my advice to Kevin, then we can no longer date. Pam says, see what I mean? That's hot. Jim says, I am dead serious. It's me or Kevin. She says, how long do I have to decide? And he looks around, or he says, sounds like you already have. And he just leaves. <laughs> and she Pam laughs. Pam grins. She she knows <laughs> it's all fun and games.
1: So our discussion topic for this episode, of course, is why was Michael so mean to Dwight? Was it that he really thinks that he can handle being fired, that Dwight can handle being fired, or that he deserves to be fired, or does he just really not care what happens to him?
0: Uh, I think he makes points that are logical to him. He He tells Dwight, you know, at the office, you're cooped up. You've got a farm that you're not able to do work on because you're doing work here all day you're not dating Angela anymore. So it's kind of weird for you two to be around each other and she's not tying you down to the office anymore. And so to Michael, it makes sense. It's if you get fired, it's okay. Cause it just means you're going to have a better life elsewhere doing other things that fit you better. Whereas if I, Michael get fired from this place, this is all I got. And we've seen, this is all Michael's got. So to him, I don't want to say he's being completely mean. It's just mm-hmm. that he thinks that if one of them has to go, it makes more sense for Dwight because Dwight has other things to live for outside of Dunder Mifflin.
1: Right, I agree with that. He didn't phrase it very well, but Dwight has his second life. It seems like, uh, which is funny <laughs> for yeah. other reasons as well. <laughs> um, but he has he has Dunder Mifflin, which he is very very loyal to and passionate about. But he also has the beet farm, which he's probably just as committed to. Michael only has Dunder Mifflin. So I get what he's saying. He just could have phrased it a whole lot better. Well,
0: he also could have asked. And also not
1: throw him under the bus. Yeah, I gotta say, also not just do it.
0: If he had come at it from a place of more compassion and asked, hey, is this something you would be willing to do for me? Because this is all I've got. And you do have something outside of your work rather than you have to do this for me, Dwight, because blah, 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 blah. It's just he's coming out of a place of manipulation instead of coming at it honestly. And so, like I said, I think it's reasons that make sense to Michael. And I don't think he sees himself as being super mean. But Dwight is certainly more disposable than other people in the office Mm -hmm. and certainly more disposable than he sees himself.
1: Well, with that, I think that is the end of our official 48th episode of An American Workplace. Contact us at facebook.com/workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. You can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and you can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktladies623 or at facebookcom KD.white.
0: The best place for me is also on Twitter at chadadada. That is c h a d a d a d a. Also, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and my other podcast, Cinescope, can be found where other podcasts can be found and at podcast.com. And all of our show notes and contact information can be found at workplacepodcast.com. And if you want a shout-out and more of An American Workplace every week, including access to our discussion outline and notes a logo sticker bonus episodes access to live streams check out to or check out our patreon page and pick the support level that you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod
1: that's all for this week thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows the office here on episode 48 of an american workplace make sure to join us in episode 49 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season five new boss and two weeks bye bye I think. Th- n- <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> he made non refundable deposits on many honeymoons. So today he is hot air bowling. Nope. <laughs> That's not a thing. That sounds I great. Wish it was. That's not a thing. Hot air ballooning. <laughs> so, our discussion topic for the. <clears throat> That's a cute cat. Sorry, I'm distracted. <laughs> he just jumped up. Thank <laughs> you.